hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. Welcome back, everyone, to the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Collings. Um, joining me here today is a special guest, first-time guest on the show. It is Mr. Warren Hayes. Warren, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Jesse. This is uh, I'm looking forward to today's topic of discussion, and uh, I'm glad you you invited me on to talk about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, Warren, and I wanted to, first. I want to ask you is now your Twitter profile is Mr. Warren Hayes. Yes. Um, and I want to point out that that's a very successful uh thing putting that as your prefix on Twitter because I think of and refer to you internally as Mr. Warren Hayes at all times. It, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Right. It yeah. Does. You know, and, what is and, kind of the genesis of that? Um, <laughs> uh, quite. Fr okay. Here's, here's, here's the, you're going to get the scoop on this, Jesse. Yeah, I've well, never told anyone this. The people want to hear Mr. Warren Hayes lore. That's, that's re really, I would, I'm the sure the topic I asked you about has absolutely nothing to do with the show. It's, it's, it's what, we're, this is what the people want to hear. The, the topic was bait. To get me on the show to spill the beans. No, but um, I I used to dabble in uh, like back in the in the late '90s, back when I was very active on RSPW on Usenet and all that stuff. I also dabbled in fantasy wrestling, right? And not the the type where you you know you you draft guys and so on. No, you actually make up your own characters. You actually create your own wrestling personas. And then you write out, and then you you join an eFed. Maybe a lot of you right now listening know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm just you know preaching to the choir. But you know, you join an eFed, and you have the the promoter. There's a promoter of the eFed, and you write up your your promos, you type them out, and then the you know the the um, the uh, the promoter uh, distributes the 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 promos via you know newsletter or message board forums or whatever. And and uh, and he decide who wins and loses, right? And he'd write up cards and whatnot, and move for moves and all that stuff. And my character was Mister Ratings Warren Hayes. That was my that was my efed character, and he was kind of a mix between uh, Ric Flair and Mister Perfect in my mind, as far as you know, personality, foolishness, and 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 uh, athleticism. Yeah, so I, what what a what a person to imagine yourself as too, right? Oh, I'd say I'm like a cross between Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair. It's not like someone's being a, a, a cross between, you know, Duke the the dumpster drosy and tugboat. It's yeah, no, exactly. You know, uh, I'm not I'm you know, I'm not doing Mike Sanders cosplay for the life of me. Um and, and so, and so, so you're you were Mr. Ratings. Um Mr. Now, Ratings. You, and you said this was in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, something like that. Memory um, serves me right. How, how did you, why were you Mr. Ratings? Because we didn't talk about ratings until AEW existed. Nobody ever talked about ratings. So how, why, why that must have confused people. I was a precursor. 
I just, I'm a trailblazer, Jesse. What can I tell you? I, you know, I, I bring it up in my written promos. I, you know, I had sources at Nielsen who, you know, gave me all the verbiage so that I could uh, translate it perfectly. No, it was, yeah, that's that, you know, that's what I'm a pioneer. Yeah. And so, um, and that stuck around as you've cultivated yourself as a media figure. Um, well, what, well, well, you know, when I, when, when, when I started doing, when I started writing, actually, that, that was the first, uh, started writing at daily DDT. I was just like, Oh, just, it, it felt right. You know, just to throw the mister in there you know, sort of like just a very personal callback onto something that no one will ever, ever find, you know, ever, no one will ever make a relation, will ever connect the dots, you know, but there you go. It's it's a callback to my old EFED character, Mr. Warren Hayes, Mr. Are, Ratings Warren Hayes. I'm sure they exist still, but you never hear about like what you just described, which is kind of like you have the booker and you write your own promos and someone decides who's going over and, and that kind of thing. And you're kind of participating in this. It's it's a real fantasy in the sense that we are like yeah. almost like fantasy writing our our ideas out on uh on paper. Yet uh I don't, oh, you know what my finisher was, Jesse? Do you know what my finisher was? What was it? It was a it, it was a, a a a top row body splash. You know what the name was? You know what uh, what I called it? Uh, the ratings drop. Oh, fantastic! Give this man, give yeah. this man a raise. Did I get it? I was I said it, and I wasn't one hundred percent confident because I was thinking like, no, ratings drop would make sense if you had like some sort of like power bomb like move or some sort of like you know lift up and drop someone like no, move, no. but. Yeah, but you drop. You, you, I was dropping myself off the top rope, so you know it's like, okay, there you go, the rings drop. Yeah, that this was is my a finisher. free idea for any aspiring indie wrestler to, uh, if they wanted to. I mean, it's not free. You should pay Warren for for the idea. Ah, it's no, no, it's out there. Uh, uh, you know, Creative Commons 2.0 attribution only. That's all I need. It's fine. Fast forward like ten years, and just there's some sort of he's like the next Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he's using your <laughs> gimmick. <laughs> The ratings drop is the new Stone Cold Stunner. Um, exactly. So the reason, real reason I wanted to have on, you on the show was was actually not Warren Hayes lore. Uh, it was to talk about CM Punk. And my goal with this discussion is I want to have a conversation about CM Punk that's totally different than any other conversation about CM Punk that's happening right now, which is going to be a challenge because everybody is talking about this guy. And I've already had, I had... Um, Trevor Dame on a few weeks ago, and we discussed this mm -hmm. very topic about CM Punk. Um, but things have kind of evolved over the last few weeks. And I wanted to kind of focus not as much on like the, oh, CM Punk's coming back to AEW. What do you think, Warren? What do you think about the brand split? And I'm sure we'll touch on that to an extent. But one thing I want to avoid doing is getting like worked up or having these spicy hot takes about something that we have absolutely no idea if it's going to happen or not, which is what I'm trying. I think the brand split's a bad idea just on how I've heard it, but I'm not going to like lose my mind over them doing it because we just know so little about what's going to happen and what potentially is being talked about. Um, but okay. So, so how do we talk about CM Punk and the, what I'm really wanted to focus on here was just this massive shadow that CM Punk has now cast over AEW and over pro wrestling discourse in general, and that we just 
People just cannot stop talking about this guy. There's nonstop drama. And when you think about how much drama there has been over like the last few weeks based on how much stuff has actually happened, which is like CM Punk making an Instagram post and um, like a couple other small comments here or there. Brandon Cutler tweeted something out. Like there's really not that much there to really discuss. And yet CM Punk has dominated the news. He's been in the headlines every single day. The entire wrestling news industry seems like it's based around CM Punk speculation. Um, and in fact, I know it is because let me tell you, when we put CM Punk, when I talked about CM Punk with Trevor Dame on this show, it was our most listened to show we've ever had. Um, and sure. obviously I'm falling into that trap again because, hey, guess what? We're talking about CM Punk again after a few weeks after we already talked about him. But I guess I'll ask you this, Warren, just to start why do you think CM Punk and just the figure of CM Punk is so interesting to people when it comes to like wrestling news and, and why they can't seem to get enough about CM Punk uh, and information about his potential return? Ah, that's uh, not an easy one to start off with, but uh, you know, in, in my, in, in my opinion, I mean, look to say that he's a lightning rod, I think is, you know, uh, minimizing what he is because essentially he's 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 the original terminally online pro wrestler right he's he's the the guy who would hit um hit the internet in multiple ways and just let stuff leak out let stuff you know just say things that people would would latch onto and you know try to connect to the idea where that there's heat and so on and so forth. So there, you know, there, there's that, you know, there's the position as well that he's created for himself. Uh, you know, I like to call it, you know, I think he has a bit of a or he had a bit of a martyr complex. And I think it worked well for him in, in WWE. It's not working for him as well in AEW, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but I believe that he's he's a we talk about him a lot because he's he connects to this very visceral enjoyment that a lot of smart fans have in wanting to get these peaks behind the curtain right you know uh, the you know the, the you you know you talk about it a lot Jesse you know how the scoops business in pro wrestling is very lucrative for those who are very good at it um and uh and there's there's a reason why it's lucrative it's People want to know. They want to know what's going on behind the scenes. So you have a guy who essentially has a lot of difficulty with his filter, filtering out his uh, what he should put out into the public, and probably filtering his own feelings and 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 his own thought processes. And he, we get this this awesome explosive cocktail of ingredients where it's like the minute he says any anything it has to mean something else and i think it i i think it's a bit of give and take on that on, on that part where it's like i you know I, I the fans are responsible for for him to act the way he does to a degree because look he's a pro wrestler he's got an ego he likes the attention you know as subconsciously it might be or not like that's something nonetheless that he craves uh and 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 punk doing it punk doing it feeds into that and his that's his um that that's his fatal flaw to a degree as well you know where he you know he just has trouble 
keeping himself out of trouble, out of these situations. He feels he has to expose things for the best, the, for the, the, you know, the, the, for bettering the industry or maybe bettering, you know, whatever reasons that he feels justified in doing this, whatever. Um, but the fans also lap it up because we've been conditioned for years to want some of this juice, some of this dirt. And CM Punk, he's, he's the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know if any, the, does that make sense to you? What I, yeah, I think the, you made a really good point you? in that like fans really hang, hinge on everything he says and that when he says something, they allow themselves to read into other things, right? This this kind of stems back to the pipe bomb promo where CM Punk's really the first person to kind of get on a WWE show and actually voice what a lot of the, the voice out the thoughts that a lot of the fan base was thinking at the time, which is, and he does it mm -hmm. under the guise of a pro wrestling promo where he's mad at John Cena for getting opportunities and he knows he's the best and Vince McMahon doesn't know what he's doing. And those were popular sentiments amongst a, a certain uh, division of the WWE fans at the time. It wasn't everyone, but it was uh, it wasn't a small amount of people either. And that kind of really launched his career into super, super duper star status. Um, and it forged this connection that he had with people. And that connection is still strong in the sense that now he is that lightning rod figure. And the fact that he is in somewhat of a similar position now where he is very upset with the company he's in, that lightning is striking again. I think the reaction is very mm -hmm. different because of AEW's fan base's relationship with AEW, the company, as opposed to WWE's fan base. Yeah. Uh, especially during that time period. Um, and I think that is yeah, no, I, a key point. It, it, to, to me, it really comes back down to fans have a really strong emotional connection with CM Punk. And that was why he was able to sell out United Center when he came back. That was why, um, you know, All In, his first match back, did over 200,000 pay-per-view buys. That was why he's such a big wrestling star. And that emotional connection is also why people are just fascinated with his behavior and fascinated to find out, is he going to come back to AEW? What's his real issue with the elite? Why did he have that meltdown at the press conference? Are we ever going to see him wrestle again? All of those questions are, are are being asked, and there's so much interest in those potential answers because of that emotional connection that he has with some of the fans. I, I, I'm I'm in complete agreement, and I think the the thing that you know, I mentioned it briefly, but um, I think that what what especially made the the gripe bomb special, well, not the gripe bomb, the pipe bomb. The gripe bomb's another thing, but the pipe bomb originally is that uh, you know he he was essentially right. I mentioned it right the the, the martyrdom idea. He sacrificed himself. You know, he's like I'm putting my career on the line to say the things that we know are true that we're all talking we everyone knows these are the things that are true i want you guys to to know that i hear you even though vince doesn't right so you know in the situation where he's in today he doesn't have a you know a loathed authority figure to go up against he doesn't have he's not trying to uh scratch and crawl his way up, uh, you know, try and, and break a glass ceiling for him at this point. He's not, uh, he's absolutely not 
um, going after pro wrestlers uh, who are uh, who are being pushed as main event acts, but are at the same time reviled by the audience, right? The, the elite Kenny Omega are extremely beloved. They have a very strong grassroots base of fandom. So there's a, I think there's a lot of things that he's doing right now, which make a lot of sense in the behaviors of CM Punk, but uh, that are backfiring because he's not the, he's not the underdog this time. He's not, he's clawing from beneath. He's, um, he's the, uh, he's the top guy now. He's the superstar. He's the, 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 the prodigal son coming home to AEW, you know, like the, the, like he told, uh, hangman page during that one promo, you know, that I, you know, I made the roads that you walk on and so on and so forth. I filled the trees that you built this house with. He's not entirely wrong. So, you know, I, I I think there's a part of it, at least for me, that I find absolutely fascinating in how he's handling all of this. Where it's like, brother, you're at the top of the hill. Like, you're you're fine where you are right now. You, whatever you're trying to do is, it's not connecting. It's not working, and it's it's coming off as petty as opposed to being, you know, righteous. Right, and like his disposition during the the gripe bomb as you alluded to the the all-in press conference from last year, his disposition wasn't that like he's the underdog, right? His disposition was he's this big, important star. None of these other people, all these people around him don't know what they're doing. The EVPs couldn't run a, a, a target. Hangman Page is an empty-headed fuck that hasn't done anything in the business. Like it was very much the I'm a big superstar. None of these other people know what they're doing and they all need to listen to me if they actually want to make money and, and, and run a business. Um, and that's very different than being the I'm the guy who's the most talented, but I'm not being recognized because the big corporate suits don't see me as the big star, which is originally what mm -hmm. elevated him to a kind of superstardom level. And it's interesting, like there's there's a savviness to when he said what he said in WWE, because, again, the fan, there was a segment of the fans that connected with that. But. Was that internal, I guess, was that intentional savviness? Was that CM Punk saying, I'm going to say these things because the fans will rally behind me and they'll get it and it will make me a big star? Um, or was he just saying that because that's how he really felt? That's what he said. I said afterwards about that promo. He said, ah, that's, I just, they just told me to say what you feel. And so I said what I felt. And so I'm not so sure with the the gripe bomb and the and the 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 post show presser and kind of the games that are being played right now, I'm not sure if he's using the the idea of like, well, this worked for me in WWE to paint myself as this martyr, and so it's going to work for me here in AEW. As much as he's just like, I can't stand these dudes, and I need to get rid of them, and I need to figure out you know how I can move on without working with them. Um, I don't think I don't know if he's really that concerned with like the public perception necessarily as much as he's just going purely by instinct in his own personal feelings as opposed to a more like galaxy brained idea of this is how this is what's going to get me over in a pro wrestling sense. Um, I'm 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 going to respectfully disagree with you on the idea that he's not worried about the public uh, about public opinion because everything that has happened in wrestling media over just what like what two weeks jesse at this point when we're recording this 
with the Dax podcast and the accusations, uh, him throwing people under the bus, other people throwing other people under the bus. I think he cares a lot. I think the stories that 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 have been circulating in regards to, you know, again, like we said, we're not going to get into it and get hot about it, but just to expose the point here where uh, where he talks about uh, where, where we we hear stories where, well, CM Punk would like to work with the elite, but we haven't heard anything back, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's, this is deliberate, right? And, uh, you know, so I, I do believe that there's, I, I don't disagree with you in the sense that he just wants to move these guys out of the way and he wants to do his own thing. That's, I can get behind that, but I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, a little bit of, Hey, you know, let me do, let's get rid of the elite. Let me do my own thing on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, I do care what the public opinion thinks about me. So, and now I've been dragged through the mud. Well, now that I'm slowly starting to come back and need to rehabilitate my image, I can't take the, all the blame here. I don't want to be the evil guy. Hey, by the way, I tried to reach out to the other side and they're not giving me any signs back. Who's the bad guy here? I don't know. I didn't watch Rocky three. I couldn't tell you. Right. And, and I guess I'll rephrase in the sense I 100% agree with you and what you're saying about I think that the attempts to say, oh, I, I'm willing to meet with the elite. I'm willing to work with Kenny Omega. Um, I would wait for them to get back to me. They, you know, waiting for them to come to the table. I I think I 100% agree with you in, the, in that. I think those moves are in an attempt to put public pressure on Tony Khan and AEW and especially the elite to kind of meet him in a certain way. Um, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Punk is doing that in a move to being like, this is going to help me get over as a wrestling. Uh, oh, okay. No, I'm sure. No, as I, opposed I, to, I think the, the, the pipe bomb promo, I think a hundred percent was, was in some ways him doing that. But, and, and I think that's the accepted history of it. But I do think I can look back on it and say, like, maybe he was just being an ornery asshole and it worked. Like, people really responded well to what he said back in, what, 2011, um, mm -hmm. you know, leading up to the match at Money in the Bank. And it turned him into a star, but it wasn't really necessarily intended for him to do that. Remember, he's supposed he was supposed to be a heel in that promo because he's feuding with John mm -hmm. Cena, of course. And it just turns ends up turning him into a huge baby face because the sentiment... Uh, it was the right time and right place for him to kind of make that sentiment about the company. And I think I, I'm pretty sure he knows, and it's probably in some ways frustrating because now he's obviously opposed uh, them that he, he knows that the AEW fan base has a much more positive uh, outlook on Kenny Omega and the young bucks and hangman page than the WWE fan base had on Vince McMahon's creative and to an extent, John Cena. Again, we're not talking mm -hmm. about the whole fan base, but we're talking about a large portion of the fan base um, that was clearly opposed to John Cena and seeing John Cena in main events and things like that. And um, I don't think, I think he's, I don't think he would have miscalculated in that. Yep. It's going to work again for me, but I just think this is, he, he's going by instinct and he's going by, how he feels. And I don't think he's putting like a tremendous amount of thought into what kind of gamesmanship he's doing here. I think he's just kind of going at it raw and it's probably frustrating to him that people like Dave Meltzer are basically saying that, right? Dave is saying that mm -hmm. 
you know, he Dave was the person who was like, he's saying he wants to meet with them, but he really is just trying to, you know, push them out. And I'm sure that didn't sit well with CM Punk because, you know, his his plan wasn't that savvy. I don't think it's really worked. Like, do you think there are people that are sitting there right now that are maybe listening to the show or following the news? Do you think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that are like, you know what, I was on the side of the elite, but now I can kind of see CM Punk's point because he wants to meet with them. Or do you think most people that would be invested in this are can see through that trap? Uh, I think most people are probably buying it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get because you know, look, I, I, I think I there is a certain level of media literacy that just does not exist, and this is you know this is not just pertaining to your run of the mill wrestling fan this is like across all forms of media uh all topics um you know i think it is working to a degree uh you know there are people that i that i followed on 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 twitter and whatnot that um that were very um despondent you know uh in regards to uh, stuff that happened with, you know, of course, the gripe bomb and finding out, you know, some of the details of the fight that CM Punk was most likely in the wrong, you know, something that is less and less disputed, uh, that he, uh, that maybe he's looking too much out for, looking out for himself a little too much, and they were trying to ha- cling on to hope. Then he he does the Instagram post, and they're like, man, you know, then all of a sudden, it they get reanimated, re-energized by hearing Oh, and we'll see. And Punk wants to mend bridges. It's the other guys who don't, kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, and yeah. that re-energizes the fan base. You know, like I, I think that um, you know, and I, 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 I'm not trying to say that I'm smarter than anyone else, but there, you know, there is a level of media literacy that is absent in, in these types of situations, and that get a lot of people hot when wrestling media starts getting challenged in that regard where it's like hey do you realize that this is what's happening and then the situation always boils down to well tell us who your source is who's your source well on one hand it doesn't matter you know we're not going to tell you but on the second hand if you put one and one and one together you can figure it out pretty easily uh it's like even in a situation where we could be learning something the point that I'm trying to make here is that even in a situation where we where we could learn something about media literacy and how to interpret how things are reported, we're still missing the point because now we're arguing as to who uh, you know is Chris Jericho uh, a, a source for the Observer? You know that got Brian Alvarez mad as hell. Uh, is Dax Harwood just feeding uh, feeding Sean Ross app and that got people mad as hell as well? Like we're not even focusing on the right. Uh, conversation, even when it's happening right before our eyes, and we could be talking about, well, look, this, there, there were, there are ways to understand what's happening here and how people are using the, their media context, and not in a bad way. They, you know, that's how it works. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, again, not trying to 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 discredit anyone or anything here, but how they're using their media context to get their story across, right? And that's what. Different. That's something that exists in politics. It exists yeah. in sports. It exists in other forms of of entertainment and, and pop culture. Um, I I do agree in the sense that like in the day after, like if you're just scrolling through Twitter and you see a headline from you know 
e-wrestling news or any dirt sheet website, right? That just says, you know, CM Punk says, try, you know, CM Punk camp report, CM Punk camp is willing to meet with Elite. You might, most people probably aren't even clicking on that story, but they're registering the information that, oh, CM Punk wants to meet with the Elite. Let alone are they, you know, using the critical thinking power to think, why would CM Punk be saying this? Or where is this information coming from? And you're totally right in that. We end up having a discussion about whose sources are, are talking to who and why would this person report that? And it's like, well, let's get focused on the task at hand, right? It is important to figure out um, kind of what gamesmanship is going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. leaking stuff and, and choosing to talk to people off the record or whatever. Uh, but you're right. It does take kind of the discussion away from what we're really talking about here, which is. CM Punk, like it's it's fascinating to to me. It's fascinating that anyone can watch the CM Punk all out presser and think that like the elites are bearing like a ton of responsibility in this. And that it's like even in that even let's say oh it's both sides are wrong. It's a 50-50 split. Like it's like to me, like I just cannot understand that logic because I see a guy acting incredibly unprofessional and throwing everyone under the bus in a, in a million different ways. Um, and look, just really quickly, you know, we're talking about the the all out scrum, but I mean, that was just, if anything, that was a, con- a confirmation of what he's capable of doing or how he's, um, or, or, you know, you know, how, how big of a chip on his shoulder he has, how he feels people are out to get him. Because technically speaking, this all started with the Hangman Page promo where he calls out Hangman Adam Page when Page is unscripted. He's not scripted to come out, but Punk goes into business for himself, you know, to use the tired expression. But nonetheless, that's what he did. That's legitimately where it started there, where you could, where you could still have room to argue and be like, "Well, was it really that? Were they just doing a little thing?" You know, you fast forward to August of 2022. At that point, uh, 2021, 20, 20, <laughs> 22. I'm so lost in dates. 2022. Sorry about that. You fast forward to 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 there, and and he's doing it again. He's essentially doing the same thing. He's calling people out without, with no one having a chance to do the rebuttal, as opposed to doing it on live TV where there's a script and you're supposed to be entertaining and there's, you know, you follow what the Booker man tells you to do. Now he's doing it like completely free form, full shoot. Um, there's, there's a correlation there. It's not just an isolated event and you can't, and like you said, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm sure the Bucks had a lot to do with it. Uh, I think he's been setting, he was setting that up for a while. Yeah, man, like given what we know now and everything we kind of know about CM Punk's motivations, that promo where he calls out Hangman Page for no reason, like that honestly is one of the stupidest things I have mm-hmm. seen an individual wrestler do in the last several years. Like, and hey, we watch pro wrestling. Yeah. We see a lot of wrestlers do some pretty dumb things. Right. But as far as just an individual choice to be like, I'm gonna go out sure. and I'm gonna I'm gonna call out another babyface wrestler for who has no idea I'm gonna call him out. And he's not I don't I don't even know if he was at the show. Um and it's just going to confuse every single one of our viewers. It's supposedly going to tease a feud between two baby faces. That's not on the books to happen. Um, it is, it was in like, 
like Punk is 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 he walking back to the back and he's smirking, thinking he got a receipt. Like, what did he gain from that? He gained absolutely nothing, and he looked like a complete fool, and he just confused all of the viewers. And like, it was what a dumb idea that was. It really was like. The presser is more damaging because he's shooting there, brother. Like he's he's mm-hmm. not in kayfabe. We know we can't. We 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 know those are his real words. He's not playing a character. Um, but just the on-screen kind of just I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna call this guy out for no reason, and I'm gonna think that's gonna, I'm, it's gonna be a receipt for this thing that pretty much every single fan had completely forgotten about, like five minutes after it happened, which is the the Hangman Page workers' rights um, mm-hmm. line. Um, Joe Lanza made like a big deal. He almost turned into a bit about the workers' rights line. If he didn't do that, I would have. It would have. I wouldn't even noticed it. Like uh, the the only reason I it, 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 same. The only reason I, I I remember it is because of is because of how much Joe focused into it. I was like, I don't understand what he was talking about. And I was yeah, like, neither did I. But I I don't doesn't seem like a big deal. But yeah, you get the twenty twenty vision going, and you're like, okay, this all connects in some very weird way. And and to 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 get if we're gonna talk about like sides, we're gonna talk about why this is such an interesting topic for people to talk about and want news about. The other thing is that I do think that the um the CM Punk situation and the CM Punk elite real life feud can in the interest that it has can be boiled down to all come back to the fundamental um dispute with that that involves all elite wrestling which is AEW versus WWE or in other words the elites in their style of wrestling versus the accepted traditional style of wrestling which has become WWE mm-hmm. wrestling and a lot of people who maybe like I'll, I'll use myself as a as an example just to kind of show like uh, to try to be as transparent as possible here like I am someone who naturally likes AEW wrestling and likes the elite style of wrestling and likes the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And they were like my favorite wrestlers when AEW started. And I don't really care for WWE or their style of wrestling or things like that. And, but I also had nothing against CM Punk. I liked CM Punk. I thought he was great. I thought his performance in AEW has been great. Um, I liked both parties. But I'm side like if I'm gonna pick a side, I guess I'm siding with the elite and Kenny Omega. Is is that because I like those guys and what they represent more than I like what WWE and maybe a WWE traditional star like CM Punk represents? Um, maybe maybe that is a factor. But I definitely think there's a lot of people out there that were maybe neutral on it. But because now it's like the oh, it's a chance to knock the elite. It's a chance to knock Tony Khan. It's a chance to. Oh, for sure. Or, or or vice versa. Or, or conversely, it's a chance to bury CM Punk, this WWE star who thinks he can run the, the whole thing. I think people find themselves being divided along that. And that is almost every argument, every discussion you have about AEW with somebody can almost be boiled down to the what does AEW mean to the broader pro wrestling world? And is it conceived, is it a threat to WWE and the established order of wrestling? And I do think that this situation is just kind of another piece of that broader arguments that people have gotten themselves into, you know, even before AEW existed. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because, you know, it's interesting when you think about it, that the, in this circumstance, because, you know, I, I, 
what you what you're saying it makes a lot of sense. It's interesting that you would consider the guy who who positioned himself made made his made his his jump to superstardom as an anti WWE guy or at least an anti corporate pro wrestling guy, right? Is now the guy who is like like you're coming into our environment and you're trying to change things, trying to change what we have created, what we've grown here ourselves and you're trying to take over or whatever. Uh, it's an, it's poetic to a certain degree. It's kind of like good. It's like, it's kind of like a good, uh, a, a, a good novel where, you know, where the irony starts getting really thick when you, when you, when you take a look at it that way. Well, um, and I think the irony of it, right. The CM Punk, the, you know, anti-authority figure who launched himself into stardom by railing against WWE um, and, then, and then publicly quitting WWE, or at least he, you know, he was officially, officially he was fired, but walking out of WWE and not wrestling for a while. And that, that guy is now the the representation of, you know, WWE and established order in pro wrestling. Yeah. And he's banging heads with, with, with the elite and the young bucks and, and AEW. And the irony of that is another reason why I think people are so fascinated about this because of all the characters uh, that have existed to be in this role, the the person who is now kind of like the big star who's dismissive of the of AEW, um, who thinks he's bigger than the company, that thinks he's um, the biggest star in the world, uh, is CM Punk. Um, mm -hmm. In that, you know, and then and that happens in wrestling a lot, which is the person who you would think uh, who came up through a certain way in the business uh and did it by like breaking rules or being different is now the person telling the same stories right i always thought like um like there was a, a few years ago um edge made some comments about like i don't know if it was about like the proliferation of ladder matches or just hardcore wrestling spots and style but edge said something like to be a great wrestler, you know, you really shouldn't be falling off of ladders and stuff like that. You got to like, you know, or use weapons. Like you got to understand the basics and traditions of storytelling and like kind of giving this, this old fart speech. And it's like, you know, everyone was just like, Edge is saying this. Edge is saying these guys are doing too much or these guys are going too fast or whatever, because Edge, of course, you know, go back 20 like years ago. Yeah, it's kind of like if Terry Funk were to come out and say, I wish people didn't bleed as much in pro wrestling matches, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and that had, there's, there's, there's tons and tons of examples of everyone becomes the old guy at the end of the bar grouching about how things aren't what they used to be. And we're all headed down that path to a degree. Um, and punk has kind of become that guy. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and again, and that irony, I think is very fascinating for people. I think it is, it, it you know, um, and, you know, I, you, you know, it, it also comes, you know, if we, if we go back and we, you know, the, back to the, you know, to the, to the promo, the, the hangman page promo that, that he cut and so on and so forth. Like, I, you know, I don't want to hijack your show here, Jesse. Uh, I'm just the humble guest, but can we, can we talk about, is is this a good time? Are we ready for the the Tony Khan leadership discussion? Are we ready for this? Because I think there's there's certain circumstances where uh, there's certain circumstances where you 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 have to sort of 
maybe not directly point the finger, but you have to sort of, you know, welcome Tony into this circle of of, of garbage here, where he has a, 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 a he's had a role to play in this, as far as we know, right? Publicly, so on and so forth. Look, if it was Nick Camarado who had hit the ring and had cut the Hangman Page promo, that dude would have been fired. He would, I hit the bricks, pal, right? But as far as we know, CM Punk has not been, he, he was never reprimanded. He was, you know, not punished, not suspended. There was nothing. But CM Punk literally went out and did like one of the biggest no-nos in pro wrestling. And that is just like, go against the booker's wishes and just do something on your own. Yeah. Shoot in his own head. Right. So then we go to, to all out and in, and while he's bashing VVPs and talking about, you know, managing targets and whatnot, uh, Tony Khan is sitting next to him and he's nodding. I'm like, what is going on? Tell your guy to hit the showers, pal, regardless, you know? Um, and I think, you know, I think this escalated to the point where it is like, look, hot-headed egos of pro wrestlers, that's fine. That's one thing. But I, I don't feel like any of them were reined in. And I think that that behooves Tony in this situation for him to have to do. So. He should have done something sooner to be like, look, this can't this this kind of stuff can't happen. I can't sit here and and and, uh, and be the boss and give a direction for everyone in this company. And now we're, you know, we're hearing about the brand splits and so on and so forth. It feels like he's being very, he's creating concessions as opposed to putting his foot down with a firm stance. Does, right. We, you know, we don't, we ultimately understand very little about. Sure. Like what no. is, what is going on behind the closed door? But I do, I think it's, it's pretty indisputable to me that, Tony did a bad job managing the situation last year. Now, if they if they're working again in 2023, he's hopefully learned from it and mm-hmm. things are going to be different this time. But there's no doubt that Tony didn't do a good job because if he did do a good job, we would have had the the the, the press uh, meltdown. No, you no, know, we probably wouldn't even had the CM Punk Hangman Page receipt promo. Um, but as we just talked about, the warning signs were there after that hangman page promo that CM Punk caught. Tony should have been like, we can't have any of this. And, and maybe he did say that and Punk just did his own thing, you know, and Punk, you know, did as him far again. As we know. That, that, sure. that that's totally possible. Um, because we're not seeing any of this on screen. The most we have on screen is is Tony and that presser nodding along. And then at the end of towards the end of the presser, he said something like, uh you know, not everyone likes CM Punk, but he's a big star and he allows us to hire more people with the business that he draws in. And mm-hmm. many people are going to be aware of that after tonight. Like he said something like that, like basically saying that, like, not everyone has to like CM Punk, but because he's a big star, you know, we're going to, that's okay. Um, we're going to put up with some stuff. That's, yeah, That's pretty much all we've seen publicly from, from his like leadership that we can see. But I think mm-hmm. it's obvious from what we saw last year from CM Punk's actions and the way that clearly those now it's possible it's all a work because it, it's always a case in wrestling, but it seems like the wounds in 2023 have not healed. 
still mm-hmm. seems like these guys can't get along still seems like these guys don't want to work together um and eventually you're right like there has to be accountability there has to be responsibility and i think part of it warren is i think with tony in this situation in particular there's kind of a, a little bit of i think sympathy people will have not not like you know outward sympathy like oh poor tony khan oh why does he have to deal with all these knuckleheads um not that kind of sympathy but at least an understanding where most people are like why can't these two parties just be professional why can't cm punk just be an adult um Mm -hmm. and if someone's going to be irrational like punk has behaved um there's only so much a leader can do in that sense and that I think Tony somehow sometimes gets like we'll get like a pass because I think the general public sees the situation and are like, well, these wrestlers are being unreasonable as opposed to, you know, Tony doesn't know how to manage his people. Mm -hmm. And there are probably both of those statements are probably true. Their wrestlers are being unreasonable and Tony could have done a better job managing his people. I think that's undisputable at this point. Um, And, and, And it goes to the point where people, you know, you know, if we're circling back to for, to previous points that you made, right? So, you know, it, it's a, we have to at some point. I, we're hoping that that throughout this all, uh, Tony Khan has made this into a learning experience, right? Just as much as I'm assuming that Vince McMahon made uh, made a learning experience out of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart back in the day, because. Uh, God forbid, that must not have been easy to manage either. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And he obviously mismanaged that situation. Yes, uh, absolutely. With the Montreal screwdrop and things like that, he definitely had an abject role in mismanaging that. Like, do like I don't think from a booking perspective, like Tony has done anything wrong with like the CM Punk and the Elite. Um, but it's more of just egos and understanding the hierarchy and I mean, I'm of the belief, and this is based just on my own kind of belief. It's not really based on any hard evidence, so I could be totally wrong. But I'm kind of of the belief that, you know, the EVPs, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes, what they signed up for when they started the company with Tony is different than what has happened now as far as what their role is as far as management. I'm convinced too. Like, I think that I, it's it's probably I, lesser than they thought it was going to be. Um, I would say that it changed in uh, January 2020. Right. We had the, the bad dynamite, right? Which yeah, I have never the, gone back and watched the bad dynamite. And I, I'm, it's probably not that bad is, is my take on it. But they had the ending where the um, the Dark Order um you know was had all the numbers and they beat up the elite and fans didn't like that and the guy was missing his punches or yep. whatever um and then and then we come back in january and then we we start getting reports that tony Khan everything goes through tony Khan. he seized now, right? more control he's yeah, exactly more hands-on and the show got back on track and ratings were improved and things like that mm-hmm. um but i'm of the so i'm of the belief as you are that the EVPs kind of probably wield less power now than they did the very formation of the company. And maybe that doesn't sit well with them. And maybe the relationship that Tony has with them is very different than when it first started. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Tony, you know, obviously CM Punk, CM Punk and Tony obviously have some sort of close relationship in the sense that I think Tony values Punk's opinions very highly, just like he values the opinions of Chris Jericho and pro- probably John Moxley or these other big stars. Um, and he, you know, realistically, you should value the opinion of these people who have been very successful in wrestling. That's that's mm-hmm. that's part of it. Now you can't. Where people in wrestling are selfish and they're carnies, and you can't always do what they say, and they're not always going to give you advice with your best interest at heart. Um, but I do think that Tony, you know, that relationship with CM Punk, maybe that complicates things. Um, and, and all of that is in play. I, I wanted to to bring something else up in the sense of, for one, to get back to like, why is is CM Punk? Why does he dominate the conversation? so much and um something uh rich Krejci said a week ago was he said people love messy bitches he said <laughs> uh warren are you familiar i don't know if they broadcast this in canada but are you familiar with the show vanderpump rules i have heard of it but i don't know exactly what it's about no okay well um similar to me i like the, the name sounds familiar but i don't really know what it's about but if you follow the the Wednesday night ratings here in the good old USA, uh, people have noticed that Vanderpump Rules over the last several weeks has been beating AEW Dynamite, not necessarily because Dynamite is down, but because Vanderpump Rules is way up. And Vanderpump Rules is uh, a reality TV show that's been on TV for many seasons and seems unusual that they are now like you know, a top three uh, cable show on Wednesday nights. Usually it was like only the NBA would beat um, AW when it comes to ratings. And, mm-hmm. and now it's like the a- NBA and Vanderpump Rules. Maybe the challenge was there for a little bit. Maybe a big news story on one of the cable news networks would be there. But now it's like Vanderpump Rules is 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 always up there. And I guess the reason Vanderpump Rules has had a big ratings boost in recent weeks is because of some a uh, sex scandal on the show i think like one of the 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 reality show members uh had sex with like the wife of another um uh, uh, the wife that was part of a couple on the show and there's all this relationship drama and it's this big messy thing and obviously gotcha. people respond to that because as rich Craig said people like messy bitches um and who is a bigger messy bitch than cm punk it just that's in the news around him and the drama around him. It is very similar to what you would see on a reality TV show, um, and it's full of insecurities and it's full of uh, persecution complex and it's and it's all being channeled through this very charismatic personality um, mm-hmm. who has a devoted fan base and has a strong emotional connection with fans. And I'd be really interested to see. When CM Punk's comes back to AEW, and it, it seems like it's it is a matter of when, not if. Um, when he comes back to AEW, what the response is gonna be like to him. Are people going to is he gonna be a baby face? Is he gonna be a heel? Will people cheer him? Will people boo him? Will he move ratings? What if he's mm-hmm. not feuding with the elite? Will that be weird? Will people be chanting for the elite in all of his matches and He's going to exist in this weird pocket universe where where the elite don't exist. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what kind of connection he has with the fans and what that means for business. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
we hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network i agree uh the uh i was i was while you were explaining the vanderpump rules i just pulled up some some images on on google and i i don't even know like these are they all look like the most boring people on planet earth like i don't know i don't even know what it's about anyway um but uh, cm punk is anything but boring and and i think the crowd reaction is going to be at this point this is what i'm most excited for uh, in regards to his return uh i want i i'm really excited to see how the audience is going to react for him look you know there's there's been speculations about you know, there's a Chicago show coming up before Forbidden Door 2. Would they, you know, I guess if Tony wants to ensure that CM Punk gets a, a hero's welcome, um, no better place to do it uh, than in Chicago. Um, so as opposed to, let's say, Long Island, where, you know, that'll probably be a whole other story. Um, but, uh, you know, what is going to be, how... It's going to be a challenge when you think about it. How will CM Punk manage to be? Let me rephrase that. How will kayfabe CM Punk manage to be more interesting than shoot CM Punk 
if that makes sense, right? Like, mm -hmm. how will you be able to concoct angles, you know, and keep him interesting without him, you know, blurting stuff out on an Instagram reel? Right. And, and Tony's always, I think Tony's always kind of been fascinated with the idea of a work shoot. We've seen a lot of that done in mm -hmm. AEW creatively. The mm -hmm. idea that the most interesting thing AEW can do is to give people a glimpse behind the scenes and to, to feel like what they're seeing is real life and not fake. Um, I don't really care about any of that. I, I accept that wrestling is fake and mm -hmm. I just want to see these personalities and I want to see quality in ring work and I want to see promos and I want to see stories. Like I, I, I can accept that I'm wa watching a work of fiction, which yeah. apparently some people still don't understand that fans are capable of doing that. Um, <laughs> and so I, again, that that's another monkey wrench. Cause I, I totally get what you're saying in that. Like, <laughs> like, like he can't come back and just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm glad I recovered from my my biceps or my <laughs> triceps injury. I'm I'm ready to go for the AW World Title." Like, and he's a baby face, and yeah, and he jumps on his leg again, you know, and he does all that, but nothing else gets addressed. Yeah, it's going to be extremely strange. Like, like frankly, if we're if we're be like you mentioned, and if we're being completely honest with each other, if there's not a feud with the elite what are we even doing? What's the point? Like none, you know, none of this will have been worth it. If you're, if you're literally leaving the, 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 like, it's not even a question of, um, oh, it's a money match or whatnot. Like there has to be an, an, an in-ring resolution to this, if only for PR considerations, right? Because, you know, and I, I mentioned this in my 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 article that I wrote for Voices of Wrestling. Uh, if you by 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 making the match, you know whether it's whatever way you want to go about it, Kenny versus CM Punk or the Elite versus CM Punk and FTR, whatever way you want to approach it, uh, it's it's a public relations victory if you put that on because then fans will have the reassurance that things have been worked out that you know everyone everyone wins in this situation the elite are no longer seem to be the guys who are avoiding cm punk at all costs cm punk is now it's no longer the guy who's mad at them and never wants to work with any of them ever again kind of thing no every everyone wins in a scenario where uh where there's a big blow-off match and and it's it, it's an elephant in the room now that creatively has to be addressed. It's it's a catch twenty two because I'm you know on one side I'm with you, uh, the shoot stuff and people saying oh you know my contract's coming up like I, you know that's I'm sick of that and and I don't and I don't think it's a good look. Um, so you know, the, the the more you 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 touch into the reality stuff. Uh, I, I think ultimately it hurts, but in this situation here, you you cannot not address it. You cannot not make something creative out of this very real situation because it's always just going to be the elephant in the room. It's exactly like when you know if you do the comparison where where you, maybe maybe it's just or unjust. I'll let you decide. Uh, where you know during the 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 uh, 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 Roman Reigns's push as a babyface by Vince. The crowd were was outrightly rejecting him, 
and that became a thing. People were just booing him. That there's a Wikipedia page. On, yes, an article, you know, a Wikipedia, a long Wikipedia article that's just, just on, like crowd yeah. reaction to Roman Reigns. And it's not part of the Roman Reigns Wikipedia page. It has its own thing. It was moved to another page. So it becomes its own thing, but it was never really addressed, right? Because WWE just had its blinders on. It's like, nope, keep moving forward, stick to the plan. If, if, if CM Punk versus the Elite never gets addressed, it's just going to it's going to hang over everything. It's just going to uh, uh, remain there like a dark cloud. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's just going to hang there. It has to be addressed uh, creatively. You just cannot like he just can't come back and be business as usual because it has not been business as usual since uh, September 2022. Yeah, I mean Trevor Dame mentioned that on our pod a few weeks ago where he said. You come back and you do a match or a program with the elite and CM Punk, and then everything could just becomes pro wrestling, like the meltdown, the the presser, uh, the comments about Hangman Page, like all of that just becomes part of pro wrestling history. It doesn't become like a real existential threat to the company the way mm-hmm. that it feels like it is now. And I think it, re- in, I I agree that it re- would totally renew, like from a PR perspective, it would, I think renew optimism for fans that maybe have grown cynical over AEW's inability to get these guys to work together um you know to make people feel better that oh everything's back on the right track because this huge problem that we had has been rectified and they ended up having this match that i'm sure would do very very well from a business perspective and everyone made a lot of money and now we can laugh all the way to the bank and and move on with with everything even if these guys still kind of don't like each other in real life um but again, that which that's, is fine. That's getting, you know. and again, that's getting towards like we don't know what's going to happen if CM Punk comes back. Um, we don't know if they're going to work together or not. So, I don't want to spend too much more time speculating on that aspect of it. Um, and I, I guess I, 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 the last point I kind of want to mention here is um, CM Punk himself. How about this for uh, uh, an idea, Warren, or a statement? You tell me if you agree or disagree. All right. CM Punk, out of any wrestler that could possibly ever appear on a wrestling show right now, CM Punk has the deepest emotional connection of any wrestler in the world. Hmm. Like CM Punk's relationship with his fans, the CM Punk fans, especially in Chicago, and you can go back to that his original debut in the Rampage First Dance where people are crying when he returned to pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like there are bigger stars. Like John Cena is a bigger star than CM Punk. If John Cena showed up in AEW, I think he would do bigger business than CM Punk. But there's a f- emotional investment that fans sure. have in CM Punk, in the CM Punk imagery, in the CM Punk words, in the CM Punk reputation that doesn't that is on a different level than any other active or semi-active professional wrestler. Like even if The Rock showed up on AEW, like The yeah, Rock, no. I, the I, Ro- I, I agree with you. The, the The Rock wouldn't be as like he they'd pop a bigger rating. Like, but there's something about 
the emotional connection that people have to CM Punk. Like Cena's a huge star, The Rock's a huge star, but there's an inevitability to their huge superstardom that feels like, I don't know, kind of manufactured that fans aren't going to feel quite as attached to as opposed to CM Punk's more organic, homegrown Mm -hmm. individualism uh, that connects with the fans. And that's really ultimately why I think the news about him is so important that people are so interested in what he's doing and what he's going to, if he's going to show up again or what his opinions on are on things is because he just holds that special connection with fans. And there are, pro- there are other wrestlers that have it, but it's to a lesser extent. Punk is kind of in the sweet spot of being this big star that, you know, was in WWE for a long time and held the world championship and was in all these big signature matches and things like that while also maintaining this kind of um, holistic connection with fans that didn't feel fake in any way. I I would say that what puts him over other wrestlers who I would argue have the same type of connection with their fans, like Kenny Omega, I think is one of these guys who has mm-hmm. it. I think Mercedes Monet is Monet. Monet I'm not doing the bit. Uh, I think she's. I, th- I think she's one who also has that type of connection good, with her fans. Yeah, she would be. Yeah, she would be actually probably a pretty good comparison. Where like if she's if she shows up, her fans are going to have Flock. this strong gonna, emo- yep. just this the emotional connection with her to her fan base. Now her fan base, I believe, is smaller than CM Punk's fan base. But that's but to you're your right. point. But to your point, that's that's where I think CM Punk wins in the fan base connection uh <laughs> race is is the sheer size of his uh, of his fan base because uh, you know the the monet stands are uh are uh fantastic and crazy and i personally love them uh you know kenny has his very rabid fan base as well but i, I think it's as it comes to just sheer volumes of of fans then on top of that um you know look the united states had ran out of ringer tees when he returned in in 2021 right like it's not even the pro wrestling there was like a shortage on 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 specific t-shirts because of cm punk shirts this is like this is like when japan ran out of telegram paper uh because (laughs) after shohei baba's death people sending messages which i don't know why people were using telegram paper in japan in 1998 but well you know so, you know so the, the the government still uses faxes brother these days so what you know who are we to judge um but yeah um look to the to the point is that uh, i i think i i think he's got this very uh, uh explosive compound right where on where he has the connection that very, and I agree with you, that very deep, profound connection and the numbers. He's got them both. That's what makes him so, What that's what makes the, the, the discussion so volatile is because there's so many people out there who, and look, I, I, you know, I was there at the United Center and, and seeing, you know, grown men cry, not just, not just the guy we saw on TV. There were, you know, other people in the audience crying. There were people running in the in the aisles, high fiving complete strangers. So you know, it's you, like you this. were at the first dance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's very. I mean, that's very interesting. You do not live anywhere close to Chicago. No. Did you? You <laughs> specifically 
like you thought you were like, I got to see CM Punk's return. Yes. Uh, well, you know, we look, I combined to go visit my fiance in the United States. Shout out Kristen. Went to visit her and 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 we planned it around around that at the same time. We we're like, look, let's try and get tickets to to go see CM Punk and uh, and I'll also come spend a couple of weeks uh, at your place. Yeah, so I'm trying to does, does she live in Chicago? She lit no, she lives in Wisconsin. Okay, but but relatively in the scope relatively close, but it's not Chicago, like closer to Chicago than you. Um, yes, very much so. Yeah, I'm trying to get back into like how how much time did, did we have before we knew like oh CM Punk's definitely going to be at this United Center show and then he was never he, he was never announced. I know he wasn't announced, but when did you like? I'm trying to think like I felt like it was like in two weeks. We were like, oh, CM Punk's probably going to show up at this rampage. Like, I didn't. I felt like it wasn't like he had a lot of time to plan that out. And and I guess the point I'm making is that like, uh, are there other wrestlers who would make their return to a comp or show up in a company that you would be like, oh my god, I gotta, I'm gonna, how can I, how can I get to this venue? How can I fly to? Um, That's a very good point. Chicago, That's like, good, yeah, um, like you know, to your point, if John Cena was announced for you know uh, uh, a dynamite in rochester okay i yeah. i wouldn't make the trip you know what i mean but the the you know the the return of you know the the, the return to wrestling of the prodigal son you know the the guy who everyone felt was coming coming round to the promotion that he uh offhandedly birthed you know where there would not have been an aw if there hadn't been the uh the anti-establishment vision anti-wwe perception of, of cm punk there were probably would not have been an aw so i felt that it was a significant event where i was like even if i'm you know i enjoy cm punk but i'm definitely not one one of the one of the people who uh, who live and breathe by him, but I felt the event was significant, historical. What are we talking about? First time back in wrestling after seven years or so, where he said he'd never probably do it again, where he tried other stuff that didn't quite work, work out. And why wouldn't you be there? Why wouldn't you be there for the um, for the martyr? For you know, I don't want to sound blasphemous here, but but you know, Christ risen, right? That's essentially what it was. He came coming back to the fold where he belonged, not in WWE. He didn't belong there. He never belonged there. He belonged with the rest of us. So it was this special is, for that. This is a devoutly Catholic podcast, Warren Hayes. Um, <laughs> but I but I don't disagree with you. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I remember like. I would say like the I think the best moment in AEW's history, it's 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 kind of tainted now, to be honest, but the best moment sure. of AEW's history is CM Punk showing up on that episode of Rampage. Like listen, listen. I mean, I like I said, I was I have look, I've been I've been uh in in I was at David Beckham's first match for the Real Madrid, right? In 2000 something i don't remember but i was there and the first goal he he uh he scored what the stadium is like what i don't know like 60 70 000 people just uh, i don't know the burnabout was like a ninety thousand seat stadium 
Well, what, look, I, I look off the top of my head. I don't look. All I knew is there was tons of people. There. You have to know the approximate attendance of all La Liga stadiums to appear on the show. So I'm just going to okay. delete this pod right now. Uh, so I'm sorry. It's a, uh, yeah, had I known the criteria was so it was, it was so uh, precise. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like that was loud. But I promise you. I have never heard anything louder than the reaction that guy came in when that guy came in when they the first the first uh, a strum of the opening chord of cult of personality the minute it hit everyone just went bananas and you could not hear the theme song you could not hear the music at all I am in the United Center with the sound system that has carried multiple concerts and so on and so forth. I couldn't hear a thing. Mm -hmm. Just people screaming and chanting and just, uh, you know, a pure moment of bliss. And that's something that I, I honestly will never forget. And despite, despite, like you said, despite maybe feeling a little more tainted, Oh, you know, not quite as pure a moment anymore in the moment on the spot being told we're getting ice cream bars. That's fantastic, dude. Yeah, and he like, I mean, and it was such a, I'm sure, I can only imagine what it was like being in the building, um, but it was such, a, you know, they, they, he wasn't announced for the show. No. Like, I, I believe there was something before the show saying like, there's going to be a big announcement, like briefly before the show. I don't know if it was like the day before or a week before, but yeah, they said there's like, going to be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah that, a surprise yeah. or something like that. And the show opens. And just like kind of unsolicited, CM Punk comes out and everyone kind of knew. But the fact that they never announced it was really smart because it added this extra air of surprise to Mm -hmm. it. And it did a massive rating. It's the highest Rampage rating ever. Um, Probably will be unless, uh, you know, they run it like our episode of Rampage halfway through the NBA finals or something like that. Um, (laughs) But it it's you know like that was such a special i remember i i i didn't watch it live i was a, 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 a i don't i guess i don't really regret it but i i was i i i was hanging out with friends and mm-hmm. i was uh <laughs> good I was excuse like, i was checking i was checking my my twitter and i was and i just saw like i, I was kind of avoiding clips of it but I was just seeing the reaction of people I follow on Twitter, people who are not prone to hyperbole mm-hmm. being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like just seeing those tweets with no context, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Like just people losing their minds on social media. And I remember uh, like just looking at all that and I just said like, oh, like friends, like I – I can't believe I'm not watching wrestling right now. And they were all like, Jesse, you nerd, like, shut up. <laughs> um, but I remember, and I like had to like put my phone away. And I'm like, I'm like, all I could think about, I got home at like at like 1 a.m. Eastern time and I had taped Rampage. And so like, I was like, usually I would watch Rampage kind of at my own leisure, but I'm like immediately ran home, like turned on Rampage and watched the, 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 the thing. And it was just like, it was unbelievable. I remember like uh I was showing it to people, like people who didn't like wrestling, which I don't I don't really like really like doing that. Like I don't be like, hey, mm-hmm. like I know like 
my friends aren't really enthusiastic about wrestling. So I'm not going to be like, Hey guys, look at this awesome wrestling thing. I always think people, it's funny when people are like, this is something you could show a non-fan and they'd like it. I'm like, most people think it's really stupid. Um, but I remember showing my friends, like, look at this. And like the, especially the shot, like they have a really good shot of a guy, like just tears streaming down mm-hmm. his face. And it's just like, you don't have he wasn't to know- alone. That's the thing. We yeah, saw, we and we all know that guy. He's he made it on TV because he's the guy who made it on TV. But he was not right. alone. Right. I can and, and to that. In in but like to the viewer at home for people who don't know anything about CM Punk, they're like, oh my god, this guy. Mm-hmm. Like people, grown men are actually in tears uh, for this guy, and it's just it's that connection, and and a lot of it has to be with, like you know, he didn't wrestle for almost a decade. Like he mm-hmm. chose to remove himself from pro wrestling um a lot a lot of that exists too and that's the that's part of the reason his return was so big like his return when he comes back to AEW, his return will not be that big but just that raw emotional connection that he has with people and i feel like i've said that a million times during this pod but it's the only way i can really describe it and i think it's the ultimately the real reason why he dominates wrestling news and he dominates the discussion. And even at this moment right now, you know, the elite have this big feud with the Blackpool combat club going on in AEW. Um, and it feels like secondary to like whatever new CM Punk is doing. Uh, even in WWE, I, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of WWE only fans out there who probably don't really care at all about what, ha- what is happening with CM Punk and AEW. But even within WWE, it seems like the number one wrestling news story right now, WWE was just sold. WWE just merged their company. Vince McMahon <laughs> in a brazen power play came back and, and is now in, in power. And like the, this gigantic, gigantic story in WWE. And it's like, oh, that was okay for a week. And like, oh, let's see what, oh, CM Punk posted something on Instagram or or Dax Harwood said something minor on his podcast that might be alluding to something else. Like it just the, it just it's such a gigantic thing in the pro wrestling fan base and i think it, it all stems back to that connection that that so many fans have with him and even if you don't have a special connection with him like I, i'm with you warren i'm not like i i think cm punk's a really talented performer i think he's been involved in some of the most exciting and interesting things i've seen in pro wrestling but i would not say cm punk is one of my 10 favorite wrestlers of no. all time or that cm punk is someone that I'm going to like buy a bunch of merchandise of, but even though I'm not like that, because everyone, there's such a large section of the fan base does seem to have such strong opinions on him. It comes fascinating to me. And I've, I become part of the, the vortex of people wanting to consume that information. And that's why we're talking about it for the second time in a, in about a month on the show, just because it's the most fascinating thing that's going on in wrestling. And it's probably going to continue to be that way for, for, for a long time. And, and, and I, you know, to your point about, you know, regarding the emotional connection, I think juxtaposing it to the sale of world wrestling entertainment, which is unquestionably the biggest news story since Vince bought WCW, right? Like there's nothing that's been bigger as far as good old fashioned news, but the, the, the emotional connection is absolutely one thing. I also think that, you know, business mergers and, you know, high level finance is something that, you know, people just 
look at from afar and cannot relate and just go, oh, okay, this is happening kind of thing, despite, you know, how much you want to break it down and how fascinating it is. Ultimately, it's not something that necessarily captivates the imagination versus a big time wrestling star with a, with a very vocal rabid fan base doing spontaneous stuff on public forums where he's, you know, he's breaking the code of silence. That is captivating. That is, that's something that just absorbs the imagination much quicker than, you know, oh, uh, shareholders will now be 51% Endeavor and 49% uh, the new company. Well, you know, like who cares? You know, if if you, you know? want to talk, you know, it's funny. I, I would add, I think like Vince McMahon's resigning last year was like a bigger, more shocking story than probably the WWE merger. The WWE merger over yes. a long period of time is going to sure. obviously have a, a, a much bigger impact. Vince is already back in charge. So so the the <laughs> the, 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 the change the, the changes caused by Vince resigning are already are pretty limited. Um the merger is and I, I thought about this, you know, obviously in WrestleNomics we're very focused on the merger and things like that. But the merger's kind of boring. Like you know, Vince is the same people are still in charge of WWE. There's, you know, Ari Emanuel is now overseeing the company in kind of this role that didn't exist before someone kind of above Vince, but it doesn't, I, I would, I would say that there's probably not going to be a lot of meddling on that end. Um, it seems no. like they probably really trust, you know, Vince and, and Triple H and who else is going to be running the actual company to do things. Um, and it's, you know, WWE is going to be maybe making more money and WWE is going to be a little bit more financially secure, all real, you know, small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. And it's just that it, it, that's, it's just not that fascinating to really discuss as much, especially because the, you know, the merger is not official yet. We're probably not going to see real significant changes for a while. So it's kind of hard to say like how big of an impact that merger is going to have on fans as opposed to, the um and a lot of fans just don't care about who owns the company they don't no. care about who's in charge of the company um but they do care about the on-screen product and that's where cm punk steps in because not only is he this salacious backstage figure and everyone wants to know what his opinions are on things and who he's not getting along with and who he's trying to to feud who's feuding with behind the scenes but he's also this you know, charismatic on-screen performer that fans are always going to want to see more of and always want to see and i think that uh that that's a part of it. He he satisfies both needs as far as he's impacting the on-screen product and he's this on-screen figure. And he's also this, you know, gossipy backstage. He's this messy bitch backstage that everyone <laughs> wants information about. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna co-op that one, the messy yeah. bitch stuff. It's I Rich Rich Critch. He that he's the one that he's the one that coined it. So I'm gonna give oh, him full credit to it. I'll cut him a check. I'll come. I check. came up with the tying it into the Vanderpump rules, like ratings take off that was me that's an original thought by me don't let don't let rich take that one uh, okay. um you got it but uh, <laughs> um that's that's pretty much it for today uh warren you want you want to plug some things um i know uh you wrote an article for voices of wrestling kind of about cm punk yeah uh recently yeah just a couple of days ago i, I wrote a uh well somewhat of a swat analysis uh you know uh where where i break down the strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats in regards to bringing cm punk back into AEW or your promotion you know you just have to know what you're you're going to be dealing with at this point um so you know it, it's a bit embellished to not be a, a complete boring tedious corporate read it's not an act you know <laughs> it's not one of these SWAT analyses that you just slap on a 
PowerPoint presentation. It's, it, it's not know. written in LinkedIn language using no. a bunch of work terms that nobody actually uses in real life. Exactly. So, uh, so, but uh, yeah, go check it out. It's on voicesofwrestling.com. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can also uh, follow my own podcast, The Mr. Warren Hayes Show, where every week I break down the news, review wrestling shows that I've uh, that I've watched, and uh, talk about everything that's going on. I record live on Tuesdays at youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Otherwise, you can get the VOD there or on your favorite podcast application in audio format the very next day gets thrown out there into the world. So check it out, the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'd uh, love, to, love to have you. Yeah, I'd love to be on the show. And I definitely would Absolutely. say that. Like I've recorded a few solo episodes on on this podcast and it's definitely a challenge. And I remember saying like, you know, I you're one of the people that I know that has done a lot of solo kind of shows and solo kind of mm-hmm. audio. And it also works because you're, you know, you're doing YouTube live. So you're, you're, you know, you've got comments and stuff feeding to you, but it's definitely uh, its own kind of art form. I always, I always am like, can I really talk for like a long enough period of time on this subject without someone else uh to make it worthwhile and then all of a sudden like i'll look at him like oh 55 minutes have gone by and i've just been talking non-stop how did i do that um it's a skill it's a skill you develop it good on you jesse (laughs) all right well thanks so much warren for being on the show um as you can see you can follow him on twitter at at mr warren hayes is that it well i i i have i have reclused myself from twitter now oh you're not on twitter anymore well, my account is still there, but I am no longer partaking into giving Elon Musk any uh, money from sponsorships or whatnot. Well, he good doesn't for you. I've definitely still on Twitter. Um, but that's fine. But I, I'll tell you what, I have, uh, I don't want to sound too arrogant or too cocky here, oh, but I, I, honest, I think I can, uh, I think I can like, I, I think I can offer some real significant advice to people on how to handle social media and it largely stems from me deleting the Twitter app from my phone, which yeah, you, I, I had seen you talk about that. I, I don't remember where, but you you had said like it helps you like greatly, especially over the weekends, just not having it on your phone. Right. So I, um, I don't have I don't have Discord on my phone either, which helps a lot because otherwise I'd probably be on Discord all the time. Um, but I just deleted the Twitter app from my phone, and it's really helped like just getting away from Twitter and just scroll, spending time scrolling endlessly uh, for no reason because I'm bored or I'm killing some time or there's commercials on television that I'm watching. And I just, it's so unproductive. And it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's not unproduct, just unproductive, but it's also just like wasteful and useless. And I've really evolved mm-hmm. into just, I tweet my own stuff out um and that's pretty much it i do very little scrolling on twitter um good for you anymore uh (laughs) i think that's how you should use it i agree right and like i had a tweet uh last week that was not very popular i was getting dragged in the qts and i said like i didn't really look at any of those because like i was like i don't have it on my phone so i'm not Mm -hmm. looking at it Mm -hmm. um and I'm, i'm out living my life and it's like I definitely have other things on my phone I look at all the time for no reason. I check my email 4 million times a day. There's just <laughs> barely do I have something worth responding to immediately. Um, I check my fantasy sports teams all the time on my phone. I'm still like pretty much addicted to my phone, but I'm definitely gotten away from just like actually having like opening myself up to any negative interaction on Twitter. I just, I don't, 
I'm all for people positively talking to me or wanting to have a constructive conversation, but it's very clear from most interactions that are negative that someone is not going to have a positive interaction with you. Um, and I, I, you know, I really deleted Twitter when the Elon stuff started taking off just because I didn't want to be on it all the time, mm -hmm. but I haven't fully kicked it. I don't know if I will. I, I, I do also think I'm still at the phase of my popularity curve where Twitter <laughs> helps, but, sure. but it's probably getting, and you're probably already there in the sense of like, am I going to really be able to swing more people to my stuff on Twitter? Mm -hmm. um, or have you reached your, because realistically, I, I think like, for my very specific thoughts on pro wrestling, I probably have an audience of maybe like 10,000 people in the entire world. Like it's a pretty small, maybe it's bigger than that, but it's a pretty small number of like hardcore fans in niche, in a niche of a, in a niche that are going to vibe with me. Mm -hmm. And like, there's just like, I'm not going to cater towards a wider audience than that for the most part. Sure. So and why do I need to have my thoughts blasted out to the masses? Why do I need 150,000 people looking at my tweet? Because I know most of them are either not going to agree with what I say or just don't care at all. There you go. Um, how, how, how many KYS quote tweets do you need in a day? You know, that's pretty much it. I need quote tweets of people either saying this in all caps with an exclamation point, or I need quote tweets of people saying SMH exclamation point. Those are the only quote tweet quote tweets worth. Uh, I will say the best insult on Twitter anyone can do is touch, touch grass, right? That's touch grass. I, Rich Krejci is on vacation on a, a he's at he's at Mount Zion or he's at Zion mm -hmm. National Park in Utah, and I was telling him I was like, Rich, please, I'm I'm begging you, please touch grass. He's touch grass. And he's like, well, it's a desert, so there's not a lot of grass. So, damn it. Um, he he can't. But uh, the best insult you can do on Twitter, I think, is uh, so uh, people add you to lists. Mm -hmm. You get added to you get a notification where it's like someone added you to a list, and most of the time it's like added you to a list, and it's like wrestling or something like that. Sure. Um, I don't really understand them. I don't make them myself, but it seems to be like people kind of making separate twitter feeds within twitter for just certain topics or whatever yeah. but the best insult you can i've ever gotten on twitter is someone like added me to a list and the list is just like people who are stupid as fuck <laughs> and so you get the notification it's like you know like john smith has added you to a list and then it tells you what the list is it's just people who are stupid <laughs> as fuck and you get like a separate notification for that because it's not like someone replying to you or someone liking a tweet or something like that and there's I, nothing I, you can do there's nothing you can do you can't respond you can't no, you can't i'm just no you you just sit there and take it that's yeah. all <laughs> uh, and I, like and i like and like that stuff makes me laugh like i don't have a problem with that at all um but that's that that if, if you want to be on troll i guess now i'm giving out twitter troll advice which is not how i want i was previously giving out advice on how to not be addicted to twitter I'm doing the opposite now uh, um, a little yeah, a little bit of both there you go yeah. i really liked uh, tay Ta Ta mellow's uh response to a troll the other day which says you know leave me alone go wash some dishes which i thought was which i thought was fantastic just Go wash some dishes. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, that's I mean, one I, that I've used in real life actually recently. I I couldn't imagine uh like being an actual famous person on Twitter. No, no, no. And like uh being a woman too, like God, 
God bless yeah. him. Like I like, uh, and I guess like, I, like like if I was Tamelo, I I I, I couldn't possibly be looking at my mentions. I'd be terrified. No, I'd be terrified of them for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a reason I'm not a celebrity, and, and that's probably one of them. There you go. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much, Warren. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening. Uh, obviously, listen to the show on YouTube. You can, of course, get it on the uh, Voices of Wrestling podcast. Now, records will be out on pretty much any podcast uh, server you you use. It could be on Spotify. It could be on Apple Podcasts. It could be on Amazon Podcasts, which I'm told people get their podcasts on. Um, I did not know that. It was a service until Rich made me make an account. Uh I also I don't think I've given a public shout out to to Jeremy Sexton who did the the logo for this show. He did did an excellent job coming up with the logo um as part of kind of the the branding of putting myself on the Voices of Wrestling Network and I want to give a shout out to Jeremy who did a really excellent job taking my jarbled suggestion of something like the guy who's in the New Yorker but he's wrestling and turning it into an actual good piece of artwork. Um, so shout out to Jeremy, shout out to all my listeners and obviously thank you Warren and I'll talk to everyone again in a little while. My name is Tyler Fornis and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of All Elite Wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW, are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of the Wrestling Network.